Well, did you learn a new name? Yes? All right. That's good. I want to hear the new name you learned. All right? One, two, three. All right. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And let's understand that this is not a trivial thing. This is really fundamental, isn't it, Jared? If we're going to have a relationship, we learn names, right? And we do that because Jesus wants us to be like him. And being like him means that we know the importance of knowing and being known. And that includes the children. Somehow the little creatures running around this high are a little harder to find, but just lower your eyes a little bit and welcome them in the name of Jesus. And they are part of the body. They are part of our community. They need to know the reality of the love of Jesus through us. And we need to be focused on Jesus. And when we focus on Jesus, it means we look at others through the eyes of Jesus. Because we know what the problem is when we look at others through our own eyes, right? We wrestle with things like envy, because we do a comparison thing. Or pride, because uh, we think that we're better than somebody else, or maybe a little anger or bitterness because we've had a conflict in the past. Do any of these things sound true? Yes, that's why we learn to look at others through the eyes of Jesus. We've done enough of this in terms of the scriptures we've looked at over the last number of weeks that I hope it's catching on. The launch of Way of Jesus, the launch is not this Saturday. That is just an invitation to an overview so that you understand what you'll be getting into if you sign on to the Way of Jesus training. The training is seven weeks, and it starts seven weeks after. Why seven weeks after? Because if you sign on this uh, Saturday or in one of the alternative dates, you'll be given a pre-assignment sheet in which you're going to have some memory work, in which you're going to have some prayer work. Because we are talking about deep and fundamental change that you don't have to go somewhere else to find that actually helps you and all of us to refocus. It's not that what we're doing is wrong, but sometimes it's the mistake that we make uh, in, in thinking that just because we have everything that we should know, that somehow ordered properly. So, Andrew, have you ever stood at your back door? I've never been to your house. Do you have a back door? You do? And you had your arms full of groceries or something, and it's after dark, and you fumble with the key? Absolutely. And it's amazing how you know that you've got the right key, you know where the lock is, but do you think you can get it in there? And all you need, though, is a little bit of light, and what happens? Boom! And you see, the way of Jesus' training is exactly that kind of thing. It's not saying that you don't know these things. You do know these things. But you haven't necessarily found where that keyhole is. And it's still kind of a hit and miss about following Jesus. 
And so we want to help you get past that. And this has actually helped a lot of people. And this is not teaching, it is training. So you'll see that in the introductory session that this is a participation. And uh, so we're going to do the overview the, in the Saturday and the alternative dates. They're on the sign-up sheets at the back. And uh, then seven weeks hence we will start and we'll finish in time for Easter. And uh, so it's over seven successive uh, Tuesday evenings that we'll be doing this training. And this is important for people who've been a long time in the journey as much as it is for people who are newly on the journey. We have excellent testimonies, not only in Canada, but in places like Zambia and Malawi and India and Nepal about the impact that that has. Things that you know, but that you see a little bit differently and transformatively because you've had the opportunity to think through what the seven sayings are. If you wanted to get a little head start, I hope you've been memorizing the way of Jesus' sayings because that is at the core of how we will process this. And understand that indeed if as an individual you embrace this particular language, again, it's not new things, but you will find it's such a useful vehicle for understanding your journey and helping others on their journey. And that's what we want to do. Amen? Amen. Oh, I wonder if two of you think so. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I didn't pay enough of, enough of you. <laughs> so, this morning, again, we are actually looking at things in the matrix of the way of Jesus. I hope you're, you're noticing that. Because the way of Jesus is actually comprehensive in that it gives a frame for everything that we do in our journey with Jesus. And you've already seen that we've begun to talk about this matter of prayer, but we're doing it in the context of understanding that I have begun following Jesus and am depending on the Spirit of Jesus in my journey. Depending on the Spirit of Jesus has everything to do with our conversation with God. I'll try it again. Amen? Amen. All right. So some, we're getting there. We're warming up. This is good. These are the seven sayings. They are printed in your bulletin. We'll have an opportunity to do an overview this uh, Saturday. And those of you who want to sign on, uh, you will have that opportunity then. And we'll give you your pre-assignments then. Now, depending on the Spirit of Jesus, let's understand that the Spirit of Jesus is not a power, it is a person. He is a person. When I want help, I don't go looking for a power, I go looking for a person. So if I am having trouble with Google Docs, which apparently we are using as a staff, who do I go to? <laughs> Pastor Ernest, because maybe he wrote it, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, and I say, Lord help, who will help me? Okay? And let's understand that this is one of the beautiful things about our God. He doesn't deal with us impersonally. He draws us into a relationship, a transforming friendship. 
And that's so fundamental to how we approach this. So when we're talking about prayer, let's understand that this is the gift because we are speaking with the true and living God. So you go through Scripture, what do you see? You see the conversations that God's people have had throughout the ages from the beginning. And that's what makes it exciting, that I too can be involved in those same kinds of conversations. It is not about some kind of ritual, although we as Christians are as guilty as other people who don't know the true and living God of falling into this trap. And so we say things like prayer changes things. Not understanding sometimes that what we really mean is God who changes things. Because we can go through all the rituals of prayer and they have no impact. So I've been to a lot of countries in my ministry. One of the countries I've been to is Nepal. And my counterpart in Nepal, uh, his name's Tej, a wonderful Christian brother who is having a tremendous impact in this country. And uh, there is a beautiful, beautiful golden Buddhist temple. And he wanted to take me there because, you see, he felt the oppression of this Buddhist temple. And so you go there, and what do you see is, you see these prayer flags all over the place. And you know, the idea is, supposedly, uh, the gods are impressed because as these prayers flap in the wind, that's a prayer going up, okay? So, Jerry, if I was going to have a conversation with you, would you be very impressed if I had just strung up some flags and flap? No, you wouldn't think very much of that. Neither would I. Because, you see, it isn't about a living relationship. It's about some kind of superstitious ritual. And then the other things, and I don't know if you can see them, but these are prayer cylinders. And so what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to run your hand right along them and make all these cylinders spin. And when they spin, that's prayers going up. Okay? Does that make sense to you? No, it doesn't make sense to me either. Now, let's, let's, we're not making fun of the folk who think this, because you see, they have in their hearts, too, this desire to pray, to reach out to God. They just don't know. And friends, we have the opportunity that they don't have immediately because we know we have the Word of God. We are in a country that has been blessed by God putting His blessing on it. And so we have congregations like Huron Chapel from the East Coast to the West Coast. Thank God for that. And of course, we have the opportunity to spread the good news. And so we heard about how many, Ernest, was nine who received Jesus. Because you see, they are entering into this relationship in which they can have conversation with the true and living God. Are you excited about prayer? Some of you are. And some of you are saying, man, that's a tough thing to do. Well, I hope we can help you. I want to set you free 
to pray the way Scripture teaches us to pray. And so what we want to do is not focus on the Lord's Prayer right now, which you have on the screen before you. We'll spend some time on the elements of this a little bit later. But want to look at the context of the Lord's Prayer first. These are verses just before the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Now he's talking about a lot of people that he would see come praying at the temple, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Okay, We don't want to be there. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Whether it's flags, prayer cylinders, endless ritual prayers, you know, say ten Hail Marys and everything's good. Say five Our Fathers and everything's good. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm just saying that we can get stuck in the wrong place, you see. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so the first thing that we have is that prayer is not for show. Sometimes in our prayer meetings, Lynn, right, uh, we show up because we want to put on a bit of a show, because we are really eloquent in, in praying. And maybe that's sometimes why we don't show up, because we're not real good at that. But how about just having a good, simple conversation with God? Can we all be good at that? Absolutely. That comes out of honesty. So prayer is not for show. It's about you and your God. And so he says, find your private space or place. Okay, Go into a room, because it is not for show. And pray to your Father who is unseen. Shut everything else up. So, do any of you have a particular place that is helpful for you in your time of prayer? Yes? Okay. But whether or not you have a physical place, make sure that you have that internal, that mental place. So, it so happens that in order to get here, I drive an hour or so. Guess what? I have a wonderful opportunity. <laughs> even on a minus 18 morning, <laughs> to have conversation with the Lord. Find that place. Have your conversation. Be honest with your God. And it really is a conversation. Don't babble. Now, this isn't against people who talk a lot, okay? So, if you need to talk a lot, talk a lot to God. If you're not a big talker, that's okay. God is comfortable with that too, all right? You know what it's like. I won't tell you what happens in our home, but I tend to be a man of few words, except when you stick me up on a platform. <laughs> uh, and my wife is not. <laughs> and so we have to learn to live together. 44 years and we are still learning. But God is really happy with her praying. And God's really happy with my praying when it's a real 
conversation. He's not very happy when I'm being dishonest with myself, when I'm being dishonest about being obedient to what he's already told me. In fact, that's when I need to actually bring those things forward and say, Lord, I am struggling with some of the things that your word teaches me. Just be honest. And somehow God hears us. And because he loves us, he helps us through. And so some of us are still stuck because we have not believed the words of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Friends, this is a real sticking point for God's people everywhere. And in my journey with the Lord, which dates back to 1964, I've seen that this is the single biggest place where God's people struggle. Because we always want to make our forgiveness conditional. Okay? It's not that God's forgiveness is conditional. It isn't. But it's one fabric. So when God forgives us, it flows through us in expressing forgiveness. And if it doesn't, there's a blockage somewhere. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not going to say more on that right now. It'll come up when we speak more uh, directly about the Lord's Prayer directly. And the Lord reminds us, your Heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Then why does He want you to speak? Because He's helping you to become aware of it, right? And He wants you to submit it to Him and bring it to Him, and to say, Lord, not what I will, but what You will. But it also means that He wants us to talk less and to listen more. And listening prayer is something that I know God's people have problems with, because sometimes the only kind of prayer experience that folk have is when they show up in a worship service, and then they hear people talking. And that's good, but that's only part of it, only a small part. And the real essence of prayer is, again, about your ongoing, moment-by-moment moment, walk with God. And you don't need to be talking a lot, but you sure need to be listening. And so, now we're going to look at the passage that was read for us this morning. And uh, I'm using a version that actually echoes the words or mirrors the words of the underlying Greek text a little more than the New Living Translation. That's the problem with New Living Translation. It is a paraphrase. That's what it is. Now, I, I happen to know the history. I even worked for the man who did the Living Translation, translation when I was a student in Wheaton. But anyway... The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And what illustration does James give us? Elijah! And then he says Elijah was a man just like us. Have you read about Elijah in 1 Kings? Yeah! He got discouraged. He lost his way. He said that at one point after a great victory, Oh Lord, I just want to die! Ever feel like that? Yeah. <laughs> but we read, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. 
and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. Oh, I don't think we want that prayer here. And again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. But when you look at 1 Kings 17 and 18, you're going to look in vain for it saying, Elijah prayed. It doesn't say that. So is James wrong? Absolutely not. Because, you see, he's talking about listening prayer. That's how Elijah prayed. And that's why his prayer was powerful and effective. Because he listened. And so then he could speak with confidence. And God is speaking to us even now. The only question is, are we listening? So, when we turn to 1 Kings 17, we see this phrase come up again and again. Not only here, but elsewhere in 1 Kings, indeed elsewhere in Scripture. But you'll see in verse 2, the word of the Lord, what? Came to Elijah. Do you understand? It came to Elijah. So for, in order for it to come, Elijah had to be listening, listening. And we see it again. Verse 7, and this is the Lord directing him to a place where he will have water. And then he gets to eat raven's food. <laughs> the word of the Lord came to him. Chapter 18, this is the second part of where he prayed again. So what do we read instead of Elijah praying? The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Are you following me? If you get this part, you really don't need to listen to the rest of the sermon. Okay? <laughs> you just go out and do it. <laughs> or stay here and do it. Because it really is about listening to our God. And the reason that our prayers are often ineffective is because we want our agenda rather than His agenda. And we miss the point of the Lord's Prayer, right? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. That's where we start. So, we need to stop telling God what He must do. Okay? And yes, our things are important. And He promises to meet us in our need, but we need to be trusting Him. And let's understand that there are those who teach presumption as though it is faith. And we have an example in the life of the Lord Jesus in which he met with uh, the devil. And you know the devil took him for one of the temptations to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. It wasn't in the center, it was on one of the corners. And there he says to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. And you see the devil knows how to quote scripture too. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. What is the answer that Jesus gives to the enemy? Jesus answered, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, don't be presumptuous. Humility is absolutely essential. 
And so it's important for us to do a reality check. If we want to have a good conversation with the Lord, this is really essential. And you all know the parable of the publican and the sinner. I don't know, maybe it was an illustration of something the Lord Jesus had seen. And you know that the uh, uh, the Pharisee came and said, Oh God, I'm glad I'm not like that guy, the sinner. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The pride, of, uh, pride and self-righteousness really get in the way of our relationship with God. We don't understand who we are. We don't understand who he is. Holy, 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 we've just sung. Do we understand what we're saying? That God, you are set apart. You are set apart. In terms of goodness, there is absolutely no one like you. We turn to the book of Job, and what do we see? We see a man who recognizes that even though he was a good and upright man, that he was a sinner before God. Jesus reminds us of understanding this in John 8 when there were those who were self-righteous and came and wanted to stone the woman. How easy it is for us to be like the one who wants to cast the first stone. James, the book that we're really looking at this morning, verse 6 of chapter 4 says, But he, God gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the Humble, okay? So let's do a reality check about where we are. Are we telling God how he ought to do things and whatever it is? I need a new car, Lord. <laughs> okay, so-and-so's out of line. I think that this is what ought to happen. All kinds of areas that we figure that we really know better. Listening is about humility. And when God gives you an answer, then you can speak and act with confidence. And so over and over again, we see this theme running throughout Scripture. Listen, trust, and obey. We looked at this Mark 14 passage uh, a couple of weeks ago about Lord Jesus in prayer saying, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And this is Lord Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we know what happened, that God sent an angel to strengthen him. And then he was able to say, Arise! As they went on to meet their accuser. The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So Jesus could go with confidence, having received the answer to his prayer. What was the answer to his prayer, by the way? No. No. But Jesus embraced it. Now, how does God speak to us? And we know, we all know, the importance of the Word of God. This is the written word of God. How did Jesus meet the temptations of the devil? It is written. But we also know that 
the Spirit of God Himself works in our hearts and lives to apply the reality of God's Word, directs us in some very plain ways. In Hebrews chapter 1, we have uh, this remarkable teaching about the fact that in Jesus, we have the final written Word of God coming to us through the life and ministry of Jesus and then what He by the Spirit had directed his followers to give us that we call the New Testament. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. And who is his Son? The one appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the universe our Creator. But we also know about the importance of the Spirit. And I'll just focus on the one verse on this slide, Romans 8.14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Okay? Those who are led by the Spirit of God. doesn't say children of God, friends, because in terms of status, we are all sons. And God's Spirit is there to lead us, guide us, as we pair it with our reading of God's Word. Okay? Now, <clears throat> uh, the Canadian flag. What do you need to fly Canadian flag? Well, I'm sorry? A flagpole and the flag, right? But what else? Wind. All right, good. The engineer has helped us out again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have wind power? You should put you should put out the windmill, your place. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody else will interpret that for you. I, I, all right. But listen. Okay. So if you have the flagpole. Absolutely essential, because if you have the flag and the wind, but no flagpole, what do you got? A rag rolling around on the ground, right? And if you have the flagpole and the flag, but no wind, what do you got? You got a rag hanging from a pole, okay? The Word of God is like the flagpole. The Holy Spirit is like the wind. What do you need for both to fly the flag? The Spirit and the Word, the Spirit and the Word, the Spirit and the Word. If anybody tells you the Spirit told me this and disagrees with the Word of God, what do you tell them? You're wrong. In El Salvador, uh, the so-called leading evangelical pastor is uh, at, uh, last I heard, on his fifth wife. Okay? Because the Holy Spirit told him that he should get rid of the first one to get the second one, and so on and on and on. What do you say to that? You know better than that because you know the Word of God. It is not true. So let's be clear that we need both the Word and the Spirit. And as I was emphasizing at the last elders' meeting, we need to be looking at the Word through the eyes of Jesus. We do that, we'll end up in the right place. We don't we will be an awful lot more like the Pharisees. Now, so what do I need to hear God? It starts with your relationship through Jesus. So have you received Jesus? That's the question, right? Turn, repent, confess, trust. But start and say, Jesus, I know I need you. 
Jesus. I've been coming to church a long time, and I still don't have a relationship with you. Today's the day where you be honest with Jesus and say, Jesus, I really do want a relationship with you. And start. And start. And God is good enough that his word has promised us that as many as trust him, he has given them, what? The right to become the children of God. There it is. Whether you're five or 50 or 500, the way Pastor Ernest, (laughs) sometimes you feel like that, Ernest, right? All the wisdom you have stored, 500 years of Reformation and all the rest. Anyway, forget that. And, And next, respond to the Spirit of Jesus within because he has promised to live in us. Okay? And he will lead us and direct us. He will help us in our praying. Some of those scriptures we've already looked at. But let me tell you, let me tell you, that there is something else that is absolutely critical. It is about tuning your ear to hear the voice of the Spirit. Now, you've all had uh, help for your phone service or your computer, and you call up, and I had this with someone from the bank, and I could not figure out what he was saying. Not because it was unintelligent or unintelligible, but his accent was different. And my ear was not tuned to his accent. I'm usually pretty good, but I just could not get what this fellow was saying. And there's something about tuning your ear. Now, Adam, you work with our engines, right? And tractor engines too, right? Yeah. All right. And you can listen to an engine because of your experience, because you have your ear tuned. And you can tell lots of things about an engine that I just can't. And so if you want help with with, uh, ear tune to engines, don't go to me. Go to this man. Okay? And we recognize that. Now, music, I'm okay. But I think we have some people who have really good, well-tuned ears. And they can say, well, who's off key and who's on key and that kind of thing, and with grace they smile, and they say, oh, it's lovely to hear making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Okay? But let's understand, we want to read God's Word and understand it, but the way we understand it better is by practice, practice, practice. You remember in 1 Samuel chapter 3, we have the encounter of a boy with the living God. And he calls out his name, Samuel, Samuel. And what does Samuel do? He runs to the old priest and says, you called? (laughs) And the old priest says, no. (laughs) Happens again. He's told, no, when you hear this voice, it is actually God speaking to you. Listen to his voice, okay? Now, there is a, a, uh, oh, oh, where's my verse? I didn't list it here for you to see it on screen. But here it is from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, in which the writer says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. 
You need milk, not solid food. That's a pretty serious indictment. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But then listen to verse 14. But solid food is for the mature who by, listen, constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. There is a training component to hearing God's word, to listening, so that we have an ear that is attuned. And then when God speaks to us by his spirit, it is a lot easier to discern whether it's the spirit of God or some other spirits that are speaking to us. And so this is why, friends, we need to read it, but we also need to apply it by constant use. You will not know the power of God's Word unless you apply it. Even things that are profoundly counterintuitive, how much better a world we would have if we actually embraced the Lord's teaching on forgiveness, which is not forgive if you forgive me, but it's forgive. It's forgive. It's forgive. Did you hear me? Okay? And we get stuck here all the time. And it does immense, immense harm to our souls, to others. And it does God no glory. So, we come to the prayer of faith, as we call it. But faith is listening prayer. Now, how come I can't see that clock as well as I might. It says that it's what, 11 o'clock? No. I'm going to have to quit. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to quit. But let me tell you, I'll get tell you just one story about listening prayer. And this is in relation to healing. And it was Ron Sauter, a fine brother who's now gone to be with the Lord, who had received a liver transplant, was the longest living transplant person in the world and God had not given them health or healing but rather health every day of his life. He was a diabetic, very very difficult sometimes and I remember a particular time when uh, Ron was now in critical care in the hospital and uh, I had visited him more than once uh, at different times when he had been in, in crisis and uh, there was Ruth Ann who is waiting in the waiting room for him and quite distressed. But the Lord had told me this particular time, don't worry, Ron is going to recover. Okay? Now, if I'd been wrong, what would I have done to that poor woman? I would have grieved her seriously. But God had told me this time, don't worry, Ron is coming out. He's going to recover. And I had sufficient confidence that I actually told Ruth Ann that. Now, how many other people have I told that? None. But that particular time, I had that confidence because God had given me that word. So I spoke that word to her. Okay? But I had to hear God say it. I did not presume. And so when people come for prayer, if God gives us a definite word, we pray it. 
we don't have the definite prayer, the different answer, we simply ask on their behalf. You see, agree with them on this. Because let's understand, this is what it is to pray in Jesus' name. We don't want to pray what he wouldn't pray. And he always prayed what he heard from his heavenly Father. And the prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. Why? Because it is fundamentally listening prayer. It comes out of our relationship with the true and living God. And so that's why learning this matter of spiritual breathing, continually walking with our God, listening to his word. Oh, by the way, I challenged you at the beginning of, of the year about reading through. And I said that if you did Genesis and Exodus in, in uh, uh, the month of January, that was good. That's good. So I know some of you are doing this. just want to encourage you. I won't tell you that I finished Deuteronomy and I've now started in the, in the New Testament and I'm uh, almost finished the Gospel of Mark. You don't have to do it at that pace. That means I'll do it a couple of times. But listen, read it. Even though I have good parts of it pretty well memorized, I find new things in the Word all the time. Don't you? Yeah. Okay. Read it. And don't say you don't have the time. Do you have time to breathe? Do you have time to eat? <laughs> yes. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well because the prayer offered in faith is the prayer in which you have listened first to God. Okay. Have I said enough? Can we quit for, for now? Yeah? You ready to go out and live this, Ben? Absolutely, right? Absolutely. It's good to be together, isn't it? Yeah. Let's pray. So, Father, now as we stop and formally pray as a body, as one person leads and we all pray together, we recognize this is not the only way or even the most important way for us to be in prayer. But Lord, we just acknowledge again that we are the ones who are stand in your presence and that you are the one, O oh Lord, to whom we look. And you are the one who hears us. You are the one who speaks to us. May we be ardent students of your word, listening, listening for your voice seeing others through the eyes of Jesus. Be pleased, O oh Lord, to hear us as we pray together. Lord, we really, really want to be more like Jesus in our attitudes, behaviors, and character. And we really, really want to be a people who are able to bless others and then to invite them to follow you. Thanks again for meeting with us today. And be pleased, O oh Lord, when we leave, to make us conscious that you are going with us every step of the way. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Amen.